We're back in the DC Batverse with Pennyworth on TV Podcast Industries. afternoon you're on my land yes pet i know oh do you well clear off with you then and what if i don't ah another one of these bloody animal rights oiks are we no animals don't have rights (laughs) steady boy (laughs) nobody has rights really do they it's every bugger for himself, as far as I can see. Are you mad? Do you know who I am? I should hope so, Doc. If you're not Lord Longbass, I'm in for a right bollocking, are you? <laughs> are you? Yes! Yeah, not so chuffy now. Welcome back, governors. Uh, yes, we are back in the Batverse. Or pre-Batverse, actually. Yeah. Um, but we are here with our Pennyworth podcast, which is about the pilot episode on... TV podcast industries. A lot of peas there for sure yeah. uh, in this podcast, but uh, I am one of your Pennyworth hosts, John, here to serve, of course, Absolutely. fellow listeners. Always ready to serve. I'm your other Pennyworth podcast host, Derek. Yeah, if you ever, ever want to get into doing podcasting and listen to a bunch of podcasts about it and read loads of articles about it, the big thing they talk about is making sure your voice doesn't pop on the letter P. <laughs> so having a podcast, which is the Pennyworth podcast about the pilot episode, is always good fun. <laughs> it is, and it's a lot of peas. Yes. Um, but <laughs> welcome back, fellow, well, Gothamites, I suppose, but I think we should call you the governors. Yeah. Uh, because, yes, we are in old London town. Um, at least in some degree, we're yeah. also in 1960s London, yeah. probably medieval London, as well as interwar period London in the 1930s. There's a lot of London's being uh, looked at here in the aesthetic in Pennyworth. And it is really quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But this is our first episode of uh, this new series called Pennyworth, which uh, has its links back to Gotham, at least in terms of the creators here, uh, of Bruno Heller, the writer and creator, and the director, Danny Cannon. Um, We hope that you've subscribed to us here now on TV Podcast Industries. Uh, If not, please head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com and choose any good or evil podcast catcher. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Uh, you make your choice and rate us, review us, and subscribe. Sharing the podcast is to share the Pennyworth love, of course. So mm-hmm. please um, do subscribe. And of course, if you want to be involved in our Royal Mail podcast, uh, feedback section then please also send feedback into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com mm-hmm. you can leave 90 seconds of your own audio 
and voicemail over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Please click on the right-hand side tab and leave up to 90 seconds worth of your thoughts, discussions, or comment points on all things Pennyworth. Yes, or you can record, of course, an MP3 on your phone and just email it to us at the email address that John gave you, or maybe write a letter and give it to a pigeon to be delivered to us (laughs) at our address. I can't believe you didn't read out of my little gag there, John, about our Pennyworth podcast being available on any straight-laced or groovy podcast catcher. Yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) Well, indeed, straight-laced or groovy podcast catches as well, Mm -hmm. uh, governors. So, yes, on to our spoiler-filled review. Derek, Mm -hmm. what are some of the episode details for this first episode of Pennyworth? We did talk about it a little bit in our preview podcast for Pennyworth. Uh, we talked about the fact that Bruno Heller has created this show. He is the creator of Gotham and The Mentalist, and he's now turned his attention to a British set character in Pennyworth. Um, he was the original creator of Gotham alongside Danny Cannon, who stayed on board with Gotham all the way through its five seasons uh, until he eventually actually left Gotham to do Pennyworth. So the two of them are working together in this episode. It was written by Bruno Heller and directed by Danny Cannon, who did direct many episodes of Gotham over the years as well. So uh, really good to have them on board. Danny Cannon also wrote many episodes, as did Bruno, Bruno Heller of Gotham. So this is really them taking a stab at a more adult uh, character, a character set back in the 60s, so very different from Gotham, and a character set in the UK where they're both from. So uh, so a lot of differences there, but using their own specialities, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And Danny Cannon was doing some kind of early years worth of Superman or something with uh, John Stevens mm-hmm. as well, who, you know, they, they were the two sort of central figures for the sort of latter seasons of, of Gotham. Yeah. Is that still going on? Uh, it's still confirmed out there for the DC Universe uh, TV service. Um, not going to be on regular terrestrial TV, but the DC Universe streaming service. It's called Metropolis, uh, based around uh, the early years of Metropolis before Clark Kent gets there. So uh, the idea, I suppose, is supposed to be Lois Lane uh, being an early years journalist uh, working for the Daily Planet, and she'd be the main character of the show. Uh, not much movement on that, and there's been some things going on with DC Universe. They're slowing down production on some of their shows. Swamp Thing has already been cancelled after only airing a couple of episodes. So uh, I'm not sure whether it's pushing ahead into production and with Danny Cannon working on this show as well and seems to be quite heavily involved in Pennyworth as well so I'm not sure whether this is something that is laid out in the plan for a few years time perhaps because they were kind of setting out their stall early on all the programs they were trying to get on DC Universe but uh, no particular confirmation just yet on when it could be coming to us but that'd be quite interesting as well to see. Yeah absolutely I mean certainly I think this is a a significant change uh, from Gotham, at least mm-hmm. from the the latter seasons, and by that I probably mean from the middle of season one. Uh, to be honest, yeah, yeah. Um, it really is more adult, um, mm-hmm. and certainly I think it will get more adult as well moving forward in terms of some of the themes, certainly the language, yep, um, and certainly some of the the scenes as well uh, between uh, this great cast uh, that we've got here. Absolutely. And just to note, listeners, um, if you haven't heard of us before, if you haven't listened to our Gotham TV podcast coverage in the past, this is a much more adult universe, as John mentioned. Um, If you watched Gotham for five years or followed along with us for our Gotham TV podcast coverage, you know that was much more aimed at family-orientated work, whereas this show is much more adult-orientated. If you watched this first episode and felt the language was a bit much for you or the violence was a bit strong... There's a lot heavier stuff to come. We have seen a few episodes ahead because we did get these for review purposes for this podcast. We absolutely won't be spoiling anything. 
But I'm telling you, by the time you get into the second episode of the show, if this episode wasn't was a bit too much for you, the second episode is going to be a bit more, I think. <laughs> but John, let's get into our spoiler filled content. You want to talk? Tell us about your synopsis for the first episode of Pennyworth. Sure, Gavner. <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth is just out of the army, still living with his parents, and still dealing with the trauma of army life with his army mates, Davy Boy and Bazza. In the wider country, opposing factions are threatening the stability and authority of the British government. On the left, the no-name society, seeking a socialist utopia. And on the right, the Raven Society, looking to establish a fascist utopia. Somewhere in the middle, Alfred is keen to start his own security firm, as he starts his first job as a bouncer at the Soho Club. His first night is eventful. He meets an American named Thomas Wayne, who after protecting his sister Patricia, they exchange his business details so that he can expand his security enterprise. Alfred also meets Esme Winnicus, a dancing girl and actress who he forms a romance with. However, his brief connection with Thomas Wayne becomes perilous as it tangles Alfred and a reluctant Esme into close contact with the Raven Society and in particular their enforcer, the mysteriously violent Lady Bet Sykes. Mm -hmm. Held hostage by Bet at the behest of the Raven Society leader, Lord Harwood, Esme's only chance is Alfred and the exchange of her for Thomas Wayne. As the exchange goes down, Alfred must use all his cunning, resourcefulness and his mates to rescue Esme, protect Thomas Wayne and defeat Lord Harwood and Bet Sykes. Petal. <laughs> we understand that this may be a little bit difficult for some of our US viewers to catch all of the words that are being used in this show. It's difficult for us as well. There's some moments in here where we're kind of going, oh, that's definitely London slang. And then you find out that it's definitely Scottish slang. And then there's some Yorkshire slang in there as well. So lots of slang words. This may be a little bit difficult. And it's really interesting considering the show is only being shown in the US at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be kind of careful as well not to really sort of default into the caricature of Cockney rhyming slang as well. I think mm -hmm. it's really easy for someone uh, in the UK to kind of do that. So uh, apologies, like Governor, for example. Absolutely. Um, and Petal. And, well, Petal is for is Northern. That's another Northern. Sure. Yeah. That's right. So there's, there's two distinct sets of accent here. Yeah. There's the London Cockney accent, and then there's a more generic Northern English uh, accent spoken by Betty Sykes, but the shorthand for that is bet. Right. And <laughs> um, so we're, we're not talking about bet in terms of going to the bookies mm -hmm. and putting it on a horse race or the greyhounds or even the pigeons. Um, this is uh, shorthand for Betty. Absolutely. Well, we will do our absolute best not to talk in uh, colloquialisms from uh, the greater... Uh, London area or the Manchester area or anywhere in the UK we'll try to talk about it as openly as we can fellow listeners if you want to get in contact with us and ask us what any of the phrases mean please contact us through the email address feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com we do have a section where we're going to talk about one or two little examples of things that you may not have understood that may have flown over your head uh, because you may not be aware of it but let's get into our notes for this episode yes as this is the pilot episode for Pennyworth we are not going to talk really about case notes this time the way we normally do it is kind of five points that stood out to us about the episode there's really loads of questions being thrown up in this pilot it's an hour and 15 minutes the longest episode of the series, I believe, uh, for Pennyworth. But there's lots of information being thrown at us to begin with. So we wanted to lay out probably the biggest questions that come to us after watching the episode. So the first big question, John. Yeah, I think the first big question is, does this show tie into Gotham? You know, we have 
the director here and the showrunner and writer uh, being the two founders ultimately of, of Gotham. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we expect to see a huge connection here? I, I think at least initially, uh, no, it's in London. It's not in Gotham. Uh, it deals with Alfred Pennyworth. In that sense, yes, then there is a connection. But at the moment, you know, this is really is pre, um, pre-Batman, pre-Batverse. Um, it's ultimately, dare I say it, pre-Gotham as we know Thomas Wayne uh, and Alfred Pennyworth yeah. to be. Uh, this really is at that crucible of this partnership that puts Alfred Pennyworth into the uh, employ of the Wayne family fr- from Thomas Wayne through to then his son, uh, Bruce Wayne. So this is a hugely significant and important genesis for the Batverse here. And I'm really interested to see how they go. So in that sense, yes, it does tie into Gotham. But certainly from the comics, there's you know not a lot of comics have gone this far back yeah. or, or really delved into uh, the world of Alfred Pennyworth to the same extent that, that this show has the potential to do. But I suppose in more practical terms, does the show tie into the TV show Gotham? It had five seasons. It never went back into the history of Alfred except for one moment, which which we will quickly talk about. Uh, there was a character called Reggie Payne that appeared on the show, which was a, a contemporary of Alfred Pennyworth when he was in the army. Uh, he was a Scottish guy. Uh, you may remember him. I think he was on the show for two episodes or just one episode. Um, so just one big moment. He was played by the actor David O'Hara in the show. Um, that character could easily have been Davy Boy, who we see in this show. Absolutely. But I think the fact that they've chosen the character name as Wallace McDougall, uh, called Dave Boy in the show, uh, because they chose that name instead of Reggie Payne, it's a, a specific delineation between this show and Gotham, saying it's not a direct prequel. Now, Danny Cannon was asked about it at San Diego Comic Con a couple of weeks ago, uh, asked whether this show is a prequel to Gotham, and he said, essentially, yes. So, essentially, yes, in British terms means no, but kind of. That's basically the best way I could explain his his answer there. Um, months and months of marketing material from Epics, the channel that's showing the show, have said that there's no connection with Gotham because Gotham is a property on Fox that ran for 100 episodes. We won't be seeing the parents of all the other characters flying into London for a visit uh, to make up the show. And personally, I think we talked about it on our preview podcast, I feel that what Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon are doing with creating this show is trying to get themselves completely extricated from the DC continuity so that they can make the show they want to make. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's only a limited amount of connection that you can pull back to yep. Gotham other than Thomas Wayne. I mean, you know, the the wider Gotham you can do with Thomas and, and Martha, um, just that whole relationship yeah. ties it back. But um, I do think there's limited scope to really connect in with the characters of Bruce Wayne and uh, of Batman. Yeah. And I, I think... In some ways as well, I do actually feel that Davy Boy is kind of quite a nice workaround for not being able to talk about Reggie. Um, you know, Reggie and uh, that relationship with Alfred and, and their regiment was one of the main points where, you know, we just had that little peek back into Alfred's history mm-hmm. on Gotham. Here, um, it's probably they can't use Reggie because it was used over on the Fox show Gotham. So here they just change the name but ultimately um from my side unless we do get introduced to a reggie later on in this uh, series which i doubt very much 
this is kind of Reggie, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just they have to use a different name. So I like... Okay, if it's not specifically Reggie, at least, uh, you know, it's this Scottish former army mate of, of Alfred being involved here. So yeah. that, in that sense, I really like it, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the other big change that was made for the show as well, obviously something that you may not know if you're not a comic books reader or if you haven't read much of Batman's history, but we've never seen Thomas Wayne not be a doctor over the course of the 70 or 80 years of comic books Batman mentioning Thomas Wayne he's always been a doctor this time we hear that he's a forensic accountant effectively uh, looking into the books for the Raven Society so again something that's not connected to Gotham Uh, what is connected probably the big thing that is connected is the visual style in the show Uh, they've brought over Cosa FX uh, who did the visual effects for for Gotham and if you remember the five seasons of the show if you watch the show of course you may not have but if you did watch the show you will remember the visual style of how they used uh, general scenes in new york and built them up into this beautiful city of gotham with the uh, with smoke and smog hanging over the city and uh, industrializing it much more than new york would be in the current present day to make it look more 70s or 80s style they've done the same in london there's some fantastic shots this beautiful shot over the city of london as uh, alfred pennyworth hops off a london bus and you see the airships going by in the background you see plumes of smoke pumping out of uh, out of these uh, massive industrial buildings in london which actually wouldn't have been the case in the, in the real 60s of the time what you also see is you're walking past and you see skinheads beating up a guy that's preaching on the side of the street skinheads would be much more popular in the 70s and 80s in london than they would have been in the early 60s where this is supposed to be set so there's definitely little tweaks that are off here and um, one of the ones that, that you noticed john the um the bodies hanging up in the cages hanging out of the buildings around and the people up in stocks saying they're a thief underneath them with uh, tomatoes being thrown at them you know all this stuff coming from more like the medieval times yeah absolutely i mean i I must say i I think you know this is a real um eaten mess and i say that in a really (laughs) nice way because eaten mess is a really nice dessert of of meringue cream and and soft fruits yeah Uh, yes again another little um sort of britishism there but certainly um I, i think this is amazing that they're able to sort of uh thread together and bring together these kind of different visual styles you know you have the interwar period of the 1920s 1930s you know with these blimps uh, you kind of have the victorian period with all these chimneys you know the industrial revolution mm-hmm. belching out smoke you've kind of got the the club area where um alfred is a bouncer looking like 60s club scene yeah. in, in soho but then you have the 70s skinheads uh, and then this kind of medieval slash elizabethan kind of thing of of people being hung up on lampposts from metal cages mm-hmm. uh, but and then you have these really weird design choices you know police with kind of masks on that look like a skeleton's mouth i think yeah. uh, and also beef eaters that are the sort of honorary sort of ceremonial guard at the tower of london carrying machine guns Mm -hmm. uh, which they wouldn't normally do you know that they really are ceremonial Uh, here they're kind of working members of the army uh, carrying machine guns so they're not presented with their ceremonial machine gun no no they have (laughs) they have a spear it's it's almost a bit like the swiss guard at the vatican kind of thing um so yeah you have all these different styles just being clashed together yeah and you would think it wouldn't work but i find a bit like with gotham it's something that is a really interesting visual style and i must say i do like it i mean Mm -hmm. dare i say we have steampunk but you know i think in the preview podcast i 
I said, this is like, you know, steampunk swinging 60s yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or, you know, swinging 60s punk style. Absolutely. I think our fellow co-host from TV Podcast Industries, Chris, uh, called it like a Gotham by Gaslight type, where it's Gotham by neon light as opposed to Gaslight. So it's not the Victorian era. It's much more like the 60s era scene seeing the city through this one of the things that kind of stood out to me as well it kind of feels a little bit like you remember the opening ceremony for the london olympics that was done by um danny boyle where he went through the entire history of london over the course of 20 minutes or so yeah, yeah. picking up the industrial revolution all the way through to the generation of the World Wide web through uh, through british experience effectively that's what like this is all like all the way through we even see a moment where alfred takes a phone out of his car and calls Beth to tell her that he's coming to get uh, esme there's no way there would have been a car phone until <laughs> at least the mid-80s. Like, yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw it on Only Fools and Horses and it was the size of a house, the yeah, car yeah, phone exactly. itself, you know? It was there's in no, a suitcase. Yeah, there's no way you would have had it in the 60s. Um, you also saw Chelsea pensioners walking around the park. And one other tiny touch, I just always want to call out the music. When Danny Cannon's involved, the music's always great. And the awesome moment in the club that uh, Alfred is the bouncer for, it cuts downstairs and you have the drag queen on stage singing uh, Painted Black by Amy Winehouse, which again wasn't released until the 90s. So we're seeing all all of these influence all crammed together like a really good book. I think it was saying it was reminding me a little bit of um, of Viva Vendetta, that style where yeah. it's a different London. It's a London where something has been perverted in the past, which changed this version of London. Yeah, it's modernised, but something's been holding elements of it back in terms of what it does. I think also as well, another great little, you know, link to Gotham is the fact, at least for this episode, you have um, a club scene. Yeah, uh, you know, True. you had the Iceberg Lounge, or sorry, dare I say it, uh, the Umbrella Bar, and mm-hmm. then lastly, Sirens Bar yep. in Gotham. And here we have this uh, Soho bar that Alfred Pennyworth is protecting as kind of his first job as a bouncer yeah. uh, for his own security firm. So, th- you know, again, nice little link there. And I really hope that they keep this around. I really hope that even as Alfred's um, story arc progresses and maybe the, the club is less important, I really hope that they keep it as a almost like his base um, you know, as yeah. his kind of cover yeah. for for doing other things, maybe for Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Um, I, I think that'd be really nice because I think, uh, yeah, it's a great little visual aid and really can help with the the episodes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I suppose you know while he's setting up his security utopia because everybody else is trying to set up some kind of utopia in the UK. So maybe that's what it is. It's his base while he's setting up his security utopia. But that does bring us on to our next kind of big question, which everybody had coming into the show. Effectively, is why are we getting a Pennyworth TV show at all? So what are Alfred's special skills? What is that is interesting about Alfred Pennyworth? Well, he's a great cook. He's in the catering corps of the <laughs> British Army. Right. So, well, not really. That is his cover. He is actually in special forces within the SAS. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly uh, the record states in the... Uh, kitchen corps the culinary corps of uh the british army but from that we do see these great flashbacks you know we see his army training his mm. skills you know he has this group of men around him in davy boy and Baza that are sort of working with him at least towards the end of this episode so it, it's a really nice uh, moment, you know, he he's fighting his parents. It seems his dad does actually want him to become a butler or a valet. He, he talks about him getting into a good house where he can move up the ranks, and that within ten or fifteen years he could be, I think, like his dad, yep. um, a, the head butler for for this house. So 
you know, there is this conflict between Alfred and his parents here, um, at least his, his dad, who wants to see him move into domestic service. Mm-hmm. He, coming out of the army, is... I'm going to be a security firm. That's what I want to set up here. You know, he's got the smarts with with um, with weaponry, with tactics, with strategy. Again, you know, this, you think back, it goes for everything that is the relationship with Batman and, and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Alfred giving that sort of insight into the tactics or the strategy yeah. or the planning and helping Batman to develop those skills himself. And as we saw it in Gotham with um, Sean Pertwee's version of Alfred Pennyworth tutoring uh, the young Bruce Wayne, yeah. played by David Mazous. So this is really, really nice, I think, to, to see all this. Um, and ultimately, again, I think maybe we see that the, the Butler image is the cover. Um, and certainly we, we have this first connection with Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. where Alfred does offer up his special skills of, of security advisor. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I kind of liked this whole element. I, I think it will get developed over the series. Oh, yeah. Um, but certainly this is the way in, is through his his army past that mm-hmm. we see in flashback, um, you know, almost like a traumatic experience and flashbacks that yeah. he has with the special f- forces um, where he's been in the army for 10 years. Yeah. And has lost friends and, and uh, partners within the the battalion or the regiment that he he is in. You know, we yeah. see him at a funeral as well. So I think that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the funeral as well, Baza calls out the fact that this is the third person who's killed themselves from their regiment as well. So there's also this concept of a bit of PTSD, a bit of the concept of people coming back from war not knowing how to handle it. Uh, Alfred thinks this guy just died. He died in a car accident. But Baza explains to him he was one of the best drivers in, in the division and he came back and crashed his car in the middle of daylight into a pole on the side of the road. So he's seeing this as someone who's killing themselves. I do like this idea of Alfred going into doing uh, effectively overseeing a protection service. So he's going to be the one that's going to be in control. He's not doesn't want to get his hands dirty anymore after what he's done in battle. And um, we see that those scars on his back, which shows that he's been heavily involved in fighting in the past. But he tells Esme that he hates violence as much as she does. He just was good at it and just did it for queen and country effectively yeah and it's the coping mechanism as well i mean you know he he talks about well when he was handed the gun it wasn't any old gun it was the queen's gun and Mm -hmm. these are the queen's bullets and you're doing this for the queen and in in a sense it is that coping mechanism of trying to distance yourself from maybe some of the horrors that you have done Mm. and to provide that buffer to say this doesn't define me it is a duty or a job in the same way as ultimately being a, a butler. Yeah. Um, yes, it's very different, but it, but it's that mechanism to get your own head around killing people, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a really interesting uh, aspect here uh, of this. And I, I think having Esme being so anti-war, 
anti-killing mm-hmm. is a nice choice to kind of put that contrast up between Alfred and her, certainly as they seem to be forming a romance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, speaking about that idea of defining your own life and defining your own experience, I do like that conversation he has with Esme after his father has been really, really rude to her and about her life, where he leaves the house and she's saying, oh, you don't need to apologize to about your family. And Alfred goes, I'm never going to apologize about my family. I love my family. They just don't define who I am. Even though he's had those constant arguments with his father, who completely disproves of this idea of him setting up his own business, because he seems to think if you set up your own business, you have to have wealth. You have to have your own wealth. Whereas Alfred's willing to work his way up from the bottom rung and start this business. Alfred's father saying to him, nobody has their own life. Everybody has a boss somewhere. Just get into one of the old professions just like me and you can work your way up to Butler. That's the way that you should be dealing with your career. That's a very old view. Even in the 60s, that would have been, you know, something that you would hear in upstairs, downstairs from the 1800s or, you know, the very early 1900s. It wouldn't be something that would have lasted into the 60s. Well, you'd have a little bit of that, I suppose. But it feels like they're also trying to combine that concept into this version of uh, of. Pennyworth, this idea that um, that Pennyworth's striking out on his own against yeah. societal norms, I suppose. So some really interesting stuff in there from uh, from those characters. Uh, also, love his dad and his mom. They uh, they when they need to step up, they really can. As yeah, well. that that's really good. How they step up to um, to punch the living daylights out of um, Bet Sykes's right hand man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really nicely really done. Fun. And even uh, Mama Mama Pennyworth. She can throw a good gut punch and a, and a right hand hook um, as well mm-hmm. as Bet Sykes can. Um, I liked how uh, in this episode the the ladies were not afraid of coming forward fists first. I Absolutely. really did quite like that. Um, I, I thought it was kind of interesting to to see that perspective. Yeah, I'm so glad because it allows the show to do things like this. You know, by saying there's a little bit of a twist on society, by saying this isn't going to be a period piece set in the 60s. This is set in the DC universe, set in the 60s in London. So it gives them the opportunity to twist things a little bit. It doesn't have to be, well, these are the positions that women held in society in the 60s, so therefore we're just going to repeat them over and over again. Because we have a TV show set in the 60s, it's going to have to be exactly the same. They can have people that are really strong and slightly different to the kind of things we've seen before in the past. So you get someone like Beth Sykes, who is brutal in this show. She's great, and we're definitely going to be talking about her. But she may not be someone that you would have seen in a show set in the 60s in the past. But they're going to be allowed to do that, which I love. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think we've seen one half. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to another half, which we hope to see develop here. Yeah. And what is Thomas Wayne up to? He's certainly not in his usual environment. Yeah. Um, he's not in Gotham. He's not back in America. He's here in London. Uh, and we see initially uh, the suggestion that you know he's living off the wealth of his parents and that he's over here to save his sister Patricia, who is on you know that European trip uh, drinking her way through London. Um, she's, she's met a few sort of rough people here, yeah. uh, going and working her way around, uh, Europe, enjoying herself. And that Thomas Wayne seems to have come to kind of really take her back and say, um, calm down, stop spending Absolutely. all, uh, all your money, yeah. um, and take her back to the US. Uh, so that's kind of how it initially looks here when yeah. uh, Thomas is helped by Alfred to protect his sister and bring her back outside of the club that he's bouncing for. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's 
it's an interesting sort of tee up here for Thomas Wayne because then as the episode goes forward, uh, it becomes much more uh, dark uh, and a little bit muddled or mixed is not the right word, but you still aren't entirely clear um, by the end because Mm -hmm. we have Thomas Wayne call out himself that he is a forensic um, financial analyst. But then Alfred does think that he is one of the hat men. He is a spy, yeah. uh, which is one of the things that I thought he was as well. I thought he was over there doing sort of spy work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does feel like that. I have to say all congratulations to Ben Aldridge for this role as Thomas Wayne. I think he's done a really good job of adding a bit of lightness to touch to this show because it could be it could be a little bit dark. You know, there doesn't seem to be that many laugh out loud moments. But when Thomas Wayne comes here with all of the lightness that he has for the for this character of Thomas Wayne picking up his obviously drunkard of a sister that's been traveling around Europe. There's this whole conversation with his mother on the phone where his mom is not surprised that Patricia is drunk again. Um, you know, there's that whole conversation. Oh, his mother does mention that somebody's been asking about him, which could be Martha Kane, uh, I think, is is the original name of Martha Wayne before she marries uh, Thomas. So hopefully we'll see Martha Kane in the future. But there is a little conversation with, him, with the mother. But I love that moment when Alfred has helped them all out. They're standing outside the club and he's putting Patricia into the car and she's still protesting going, I don't even know who you are, and tries to punch him, <laughs> but punches punches Alfred in the face instead, um, and then starts to cry and go, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to do that. So really lovely lightness of this opening moment. But this is what introduces these two to, to each other. It gives you that little insight that Thomas is one of those high-level people in business as well, even though he's a different type of job, because almost instantly after being introduced to Alfred, he starts calling him Albert. So he doesn't remember names at all, (laughs) which is quite a nice little touch to the character. But he's certainly in danger because this investigation has led him to the Raven Society Mm -hmm. uh, and people uh, asking his name. We we have uh, Lord Longbrass on um, his trusted horse um, being captured by Bat Sykes right at the start and interrogated uh, through his illegitimate child and a lot of pointy instruments um, to give uh, up Thomas Wayne as the person that he's talked to um, by the leader of the Raven Society, or at least the person who we think is the leader at this moment. We don't know the exact uh, top man, but Lord Harwood is certainly pulling a lot of levers uh, and strings here to get mm. things moving. Uh, but this puts him in danger with Bet then attempting to effectively machine gun him out of existence uh, in his apartment mm-hmm. in London. Um, and this is where she makes that connection between uh, Alfred Pennyworth and uh, Thomas Wayne because of the business card that Pennyworth uh, gave to Thomas Wayne. Yeah, I kind of like that he's completely dragged into this whole situation. Yeah, he, exactly. would, he wouldn't have had any connection with it at all. It would, you'd expect, I suppose, because how would he see anything that's going on here? But it's all because Thomas Wayne has that card left on his desk after being shot at by Beth Sykes, so, or by the Beth Sykes man, I suppose. Um, I love this other concept as well because it gives you all you need to know about Thomas Wayne. Uh, he runs out to a farm in the country that he also owns and the reason they're able to find it is because he's basically wired the whole thing up with more power than a small town <laughs> in the UK would would need. And you love that scene where you have Baza and you have Davy Boy and Alfred looking on to this farm, which is basically, you could probably see it from space yeah, exactly. with so many lights on. And it's one guy inside effectively using kind of a computer he's kind of using yeah. a, a bunch of electric equipment to make up a computer so he's building his own little back cave out in the, out in the farm i suppose which i like but as they found him out here in the farm and, and they're going to bring 
Thomas Wayne in to to be brought to Beth Sykes effectively. Uh, I like that that Thomas uses his smarts to um, to get on the good side of Alfred. He effectively says to him, "There's no point in appealing to you in any other way other than saying that I know these people, and if you bring me over and you hand me over, we're all dead, all four of us." Yeah. You included, Alfred. Now, Alfred kind of goes, yeah, I, I get what you mean, actually. That that makes a lot of sense to me, kind of thing, you know? Um, but, again, he shows his honourable side, the final piece of Thomas Wayne. He just shows his honourable side when he's talking to Alfred and says to him, if everything goes wrong here, just tell my parents that I died an honourable death. Um, and that really strikes a chord with Alfred because he probably expected something more like, you know, avenge my death or make sure I don't die or whatever. He's just saying to him, just make sure... You tell my parents that I that I was facing death yeah. then, which I think exactly. is really interesting. I, I do think that is a real connection point in this episode that we see between the two. And then with him being saved from the evil grip of the, the Raven Society, um, he gets this more permanent placement in the UK. Mm. And I think this is where, you know, is he on the payroll of Wayne Enterprises the early years? Maybe. And he's doing that work. And it's something to do with the Raven Society... Uh, doing international fraud through the accounts of Wayne Enterprises or is it something bigger where he is outside of the company at the moment working for the US government as a spy Um, certainly at the moment these two things aren't entirely clear uh, but his placement is um, in the UK Mm -hmm. but who for? Is it Wayne Enterprises or the US government? Um, We don't know Yeah, Yeah, I love how that whole placement is completely blown by Esme because Alfred's about to get another medal from the Queen. He doesn't like talking about his awards very much when his parents are involved. They're trying to tell everybody how proud they are of their son. But Alfred, of course, keeps this to himself because it's happened many times before. He's been in a secret part of the army, not able to talk about the missions he's done. This turns out to be another one of those. But Esme basically brushes off the offer from um, Thomas Wayne saying he's going to have loads of jobs. Once everybody finds out about this award, he's going to get for the queen everybody's going to know and effectively you have alfred at the end of this episode being told to hush up not say a word keep the trust of the queen and he absolutely says of course ma'am that's that's what i'm here for so he's now walking out of this episode with nothing gained other than a new contact in thomas wayne i suppose but he doesn't have any relationship with thomas he doesn't have a contract with thomas which thomas was promising to him kind of because esme pushed it away i think she was kind of hoping that he wouldn't be in the type of violent security stuff that thomas got him into just by accident this yeah. time you know? no so, exactly i'm probably hoping she wasn't going to be involved in them in the way raven society are going to get kidnapped again if he if he stayed away from thomas wayne we've mentioned them a bunch of times let's get on to our fourth big question that comes in and out of this episode i suppose because it's not answered we don't have an answer for it but who are the raven society is probably the biggest um side of this we've never seen before the raven society are not comic book villains they're not a comic book creation this is something that is new for the tv show and there's other societies that are mentioned in here as well but we've we've met a couple of members of it and our biggest one probably john you want to take this one bet sykes yeah bet sykes uh played by paloma faith i think she is fantastic in Mm. this um i mean she seems to be the the enforcer the doer the fixer of uh, the Raven Society, or at least of Lord Harwood, um, who seems to be pretty high up in the British government, mm-hmm. but also 
as uh, one of the leader, if not the leader of the Raven Society. It's not really uh, entirely clear because we do see a cocaine-snorting, cigar-smoking uh, British Prime Minister mm-hmm. as well, uh, which certainly uh, adds a new dimension to that uh, public office. <laughs> um, and whether he is actually involved with um, the the Raven Society, yeah. certainly he knows um, Lord Harwood because... Lord Harwood seems to be in the government, yeah. um, but whether well, he's in the House of Lords, yeah. The Lords, so. But whether he's connected, who knows? It's so funny that you mentioned about the drug taking of the Prime Minister, considering you've just had an election in the UK where. I think it was eight of the 12 ministers talked really quickly about how much drugs they've taken over the years. It seems to be quite an interesting thing that you could have had a drug-taking prime minister. Well, it's whether any of them uh, have done stuff to uh, pigs is, I suppose, the main question. (laughs) But Bet Sykes is this great enforcer. You know, she will carry out her gaffer's wishes. Do you know, I think it's such a confident way to start this episode. You start off your UK programme. If you either start off with the Beatles or you start off at Rolling Stones, you're setting out your stall here that there's going to be a big show they start out at Rolling Stones and then the first character that we really get on screen is Beth Sykes talking to this Rupert Lombras I love her confidence in this moment when he comes in to her goes get off my land do you know where you are and she goes I hope so that's how I was sent to, to meet you. And he goes, do you know who I am? And she goes, well, yeah, because that's who I was sent to meet. And he goes, oh, no, you're one of those animal rights people, aren't you? And she goes, none of us really have any rights, do we? We just do what we're told. And I'll do whatever my gaffer tells me to. Um, really yeah. dark little moment from, really from his character. And yeah. she's great. She, she keeps smacking him over the head with his own whip that he's been <laughs> yeah. using on his horse, you know, uh, showing you the confidence of this character. I think she's so good. Yeah. Paloma, Paloma Faith is a singer. This is her first big role on TV. I remember seeing an interview with her where she was talking about this last year, I think, when she first got in the role, saying that it really came home with her after it because she was trying to do a different accent. She's a very angry character. She was saying that her neighbour had a dog that was barking quite a lot and she threatened to kill the dog and then went oh i'm not that character that's beth sykes from the tv show that i'm making i'm really sorry uh, but she said it was take, it was kind of taking her over at the time she's a very nice person she does love dogs but it just kind of came out of her after a day's work so yeah i mean i i think she's really good i think the accent's really nicely done mm. i like how she is portraying this character you know like there's a real nice theme here certainly with esme who um you know is very well spoken uh bet is uh much more colloquial much more northern uh accented uh, and with the dialect as well and so there is that snobbish kind of uh thing between those two accents and I, i thought it was really interesting that right at the end where she comes back after lord harwood has been arrested the exchange between Esme and um, Thomas Wayne has been foiled and they're both safe. Uh, Alfred's, you know, just about to get his medal or has come back from getting his medal. And Bess is there with his family, um, with Alfred's family, as hostage saying, where's Esme? Yeah. You know, there's this moment where uh, they're having a moment, they're having a dance here. And I'm not too sure quite how to take that. But, you know, she's... She kind of then makes a point, I could have done anything to you in that cell, but I was kind, I was nice. Where you um, look down on me because of your accent. Um, I hate snobby cows like you, she yeah. says. Yeah. And there's a real kind of class uh, war kind of moment here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like that about her. You know, she's real um, full of uh, fight and, and attitude. Yeah. And I really like that. And I loved 
the battle with the you know the the teapot the escape by teapot from esme where yes. she uh, you know two massive clangs of the metal teapot around uh, uh bet sykes face uh after she's kind of been really nice to her saying cheer up pet i'll sort you a nice cuppa and a bicky right you know and <laughs> what's uh, a bicky john it's a biscuit yes yes or- a, b- a cookie, yes. Yeah, or a cookie, yes. <laughs> yes. A bicky, biscuit, cookie. Yeah. That is the the language thread there. For you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and a cuppa is a cup of tea. Of course. Um, as well, just in case. <laughs> yeah, true, um, true. Or, and tea. a brew as well. Hot tea. A, yeah, hot tea. <laughs> a brew. She talks about having a brew, which is a real northern thing for a cup of tea as yeah. well. Yeah, So, um, yeah, I, I, I like her whole vibe here. I mm-hmm. think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I want to see more of Bet. Sykes. Oh, without a doubt, I really, really, really like her character in the show. She's a total scene stealer. Every scene that yeah, she's in is so interesting. And also, Lord Harwood, as you mentioned, he is known to the Prime Minister. Just to underline it a little bit more, because it's mentioned in, in the synopsis, John, uh, but just to underline it a little bit more, the Prime Minister says he knows of these groups. It's effectively like as if the House of Lords is made up of a bunch of different groups of people. You're on the side of society, you're on the side of the Queen, which would be the predominant side of the House of Lords, effectively. And then you have the Raven Society on one side who want to set up a fascist state. And then you have the No Name Society on the other side who want to overthrow the government and set up a socialist society. So you have this conversation that that you get with Lord Harwood meeting up with Alfred, saying that he wants to bring him into the society because it's time for the current government to fall and for them to take over control and do it on behalf of the queen and do it in her name and alfred responds quite quickly because he's met her quite a few times he says does she know about that have you told elizabeth about that and you get the response from the leader of the society from lord harwood you get the response from him going well she will know about it and if she doesn't like it there's a number of other members of the royals that know about it and will like it so Again, saying that they're going to overthrow the Queen and government if necessary to put their their party in place effectively. So, um, so there's a lot a lot of really interesting ideas in here that on the political side of things within this Raven Society. But they're not the only ones. We could have a situation where we go into the next episode now that Lord Hardwood is taken away and put into the Tower of London along with Beth Sykes, who's been captured. You could have a situation in the next episode where it's about the no-name society and what their approach would be to take a, taking over the government and taking down the Queen. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, the, this whole Raven society as well, it, it's that idea of upper echelons of society controlling the, the course of events. And it feels very much course of owls for, for Gotham. Absolutely. But it's the UK version of that yeah. or the London version of that. And I think that's really interesting to see how that uh, pans out for sure. Because what did he yeah. call it? He called it the moral rebirth of the country. Yeah, is what exactly. Looking for. So that's slightly different from uh, the Court of Owls. The Court of Owls believe that, um, that money has overtaken and commercialism has overtaken America and they want to take it down. They want to take down Gotham particularly because it has eaten itself. By its, uh, but it's, it's all by about, its will to attain yeah. uh, money, effectively. But it's all, all the, about morality and moral rebirth yeah. and, and values and so on. Um, that you know, there's a decadence that has crept in society, which makes it weaker, uh, makes it more corrupt, and, and so on. Yeah. So I, I think this is a really nice little link as well to to Gotham for sure. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think the idea that Lord Harwood tries to recruit Alfred is really nice. I like the fact he does that. Uh, You know, normally it would just be this immediate face-off and Mm -hmm. uh, you you know where it's going. But I like the fact that it just 
just pulls that out a bit longer than it maybe needed to because you kind of go, okay, well, Alfred could do this. Yeah. Conceivably, someone coming back from war, feeling again as though society has let them down, can easily move into that kind of territory yeah. uh, where they you know, feel that they're not appreciated for the sacrifices that they have made, their soldier friends. And, and, you know, it, it's that kind of Vietnam War kind of situation where you have soldiers fighting, but people back in the country that they're fighting on behalf of don't agree with the war. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of fertile ground, should we say. So I, I like that they kind of brought this in. I thought this was nice. Absolutely. One final thing for me on the Raven Society, moments in the episode. I did absolutely love that moment when Alfred presents the note that Beth's left behind for him, which just has that one symbol of the Raven on the top of it. He presents it to the police officers to say that his girlfriend's been kidnapped and the whole place just clears out and a phone call comes in from Beth going, uh, the Rosers aren't going to be able to help you out, mate. Get back and do what you're supposed to be doing. Just shows you the control and influence of this Raven Society. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Again, I do wonder, do the No Name Society have a similar symbol that makes all the police officers run away when, when they see it as well? Maybe. I'm, I'm really intrigued by that too. Yeah. I think on to our final case note, mm-hmm. who is Esme Winnicus? Yeah. Derek, who is she? <laughs> well, I think as you've got, we've kind of mentioned her a few times, so I don't think we need to go into too much detail here because we've mentioned her throughout some of the other points. But it is really about the class side of things in here. Um, there's some really interesting conversations that she has with other people and things that she's pulling out from other people uh, that that I find quite interesting about her character. You know, she's an actress, but she works as a dancer in the club that Alfred has in Soho, uh, which I think is interesting just because you were in- instantly introduced to her in her uh, feather boa and in her dancing outfit effectively and you might instantly have a certain impression of her and then later you hear alfred talking to her and alfred compliments the fact that she's got this really posh accent and she says she's an actress and he goes oh well that's it of course it is you have that accent because all actresses have to be posh all actresses have to have that received voice effectively and he finds out that actually she comes from quite a, a refined background her father's a dean in Salisbury Cathedral, so he obviously comes from a bit of a background of uh, of a posher society. It's a um, posher, or that kind of, you know, he he runs in religious circles. Yeah. So, that, you know, there's a particular um, kind of outlook that he's got here, because yeah. we hear him say that he doesn't approve of her acting career. Now, whether that means her actual acting career, or whether that means her sort of right. dancing with a, a peacock feather right. coming from a, her britches. Or um, whether he just doesn't like her acting. Or, or yeah. you know, then. <laughs> <laughs> who knows but certainly but she I allows think- her to go with it i think that's the that's the point i was going to make about the difference in these two societies you hear alfred's father criticizing her for being an actress at all he he says to her um i suppose it's a good profession nowadays <laughs> it's a really good little cutting line from him um and he says, what does your father think about it? She says, oh, well, he lets me do it. He's not a, not particularly approving of it, but he'll let me try it out. He believes people have to have adventures. So we don't really know too much about her father. We'll hear probably more about that as the series goes on and, and probably meet him at, at some point. But we kind of are hearing that he's willing to give her the opportunity. We don't know whether it's she has the opportunity to do this for a few years until she finds a good man and settles down, which is probably what the rest of that sentence means at the moment. But, you know, he's willing to let her try it out and have some adventures before she decides on what her career is going to be. Yeah, and, and she has this connection with Alfred Pennyworth. I mean, a rom- romantic one. We do see a bit of slap and tickle, a bit of rumpy-pumpy <laughs> going on in, in the, the loft bedroom of Esme's um apartment and and flat that there's something there esme says you make me feel like anything is possible which is one of the nicest things that uh 
Alfred's ever heard. You're right, although there is that kind of funny gag where she says to him, the reason why I love you, Alfred, is because you're so alive. And he goes, well, that plot pant over there is alive. Uh, that's not, It doesn't really give me too much confidence about what it is that you love about me. And then she says, you make me feel alive. Yeah, exactly. So just clarify it and make um, it nicer. But yeah, there is also that other side of things. You know, again, he seems like someone that is very, very down to earth, very grounded. He's gone through the army only just out. And a very young man, he's probably just coming straight out of school into the army and back home to start his first career. Um, the conversation that they have about acting really is it kind of tells you a lot about Alfred she says to him that, I, that she's an actress and he goes oh I love I love plays and um, that one that I saw with the uh, with the crocodile in it that's uh, on stage you could almost tell that that was real that's the pantomime version of, of Peter Pan that's the only play he's ever seen when she starts acting in front of him when he asks to hear a bit of the play he seems kind of freaked out he doesn't seem like the kind of person that's seen much acting at all I love the yeah exactly and I, I love the idea that literally just as she's kidnapped by bet and she's just dumped him Mm -hmm. uh, and yet he still feels compelled to help her out absolutely Um, you know so again it and they're kind of back together again you know he protects her and so she sees that so you know it's it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride for for the two of them for for sure Mm -hmm. Uh, and all for no other reason than he gave his business card to thomas wayne so that single point of contact between alfred and thomas uh, has led to uh, a real entanglement here Absolutely. with the raven society with bet sykes and who knows what else you know yeah. um and i i wonder if that then will be the key theme moving through uh the series um, yeah, perhaps, yeah. so yeah really looking forward to, to seeing how uh this develops absolutely um note to everybody clearly don't break up with john and then get kidnapped because you'd be dead to him <laughs> like it was it was he was literally on the same street <laughs> as being as when he was dumped when he got when he got kidnapped so i'm not sure it had even sunk in with him that she no, had, yeah, I, exactly. had broken up yeah. with. <laughs> uh, quickly under this point i suppose because she was kidnapped and taken to harwood estate uh, let's talk a little bit about about davy boy and baza and the their interaction with the granny because it is a great scene oh, it's have, great scene. we haven't really yeah. talked about or any have anywhere else to talk about it because we're on our final point but uh, i love when alfred comes in sees this this granny who looks like she's just sitting downstairs knitting and then he just points a gun at her head and gets the information because he realizes actually this person seems quite dangerous but you see um when the building is being rushed by davy boy um you see that she's the one that comes out with the machine gun and takes him out but it's Bazza that kills the granny and it's uh, that that seems to be a point of consternation between the two of them dave kind of kind of saying i don't care what you did to me well she's a granny man you know? yeah well he gets <laughs> shot by her and yeah. even with that he's kind of you shot a granny. What's going on? Uh, no, these two look to be really uh, an interesting sort of double sidekick for for Alfred, and mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing that it um, that you know Alfred's not just acting on his own. He's not this solitary figure like Batman, and I wonder if that's one of the things that you know the the Batman. Uh, ethos the the batman sort of projection is this strong solitary figure and that's what they want to do but behind the scenes there is alfred there is you know batwoman batgirl robin all these different mm-hmm. team members but um you know focused on this one single person whereas here uh, that idea of working in the army with with the regiment with, with soldiers around you having to fight for each other as much as for the country yeah. uh, this idea of him calling upon them to help him out in, in this this tough moment with the kidnapping of esme mm-hmm. uh, and the rescue of her 
is that you know this is something again they lends to uh, Bruce Wayne in the future this idea of having a team around him to help him uh, combat crime yeah i do agree with you i love these two characters i love that alfred has a bit of support here but i do think it's a bit weird really early on in the episode just after the funeral you hear alfred telling these two guys that he's setting up the security firm and both of them going well you're not going to be very good at that you trust all the wrong people so they've not heard of the security firm before he doesn't actually ask them to join the security firm but everything that he needs to do throughout the episode, he needs to use these two guys with them to, you know, effectively attack the manor, take care of Thomas Wayne while while he's there. So do they work with Alfred and the security firm or did he just call them in and, and called in a, a, an old debt? Uh, they ask him, you know, who made him boss as well at some yeah, point. Yeah. So I'm kind of trying to work out their relationship. Do they work for Pennyworth Security or did he just call them in to help them out so, so they could do the dirty work and he didn't have to get his hands dirty? Because you see that point where he points a gun at one of uh, Beth Sykes' men and um, the Scottish guy, Davy Boy, tells him to, to step away, shoots one guy in the head to get the information out of the other. You know, he effectively says, you can't do this anymore, Alfred. So there's definitely some stories among them yeah, that I want to hear in the future. Uh, also really important to note, Esme is, is important as a character as well, because we traditionally think of Alfred being a bachelor butler. But I know in the comic books, he had a bit of a long-standing relationship with Leslie Tompkins. In the show, they changed that to be uh, Jim Gordon's wife uh, by the end of the series. Um, but we've always thought of him as being a single man over the years. So good to have a bit of a love interest and perhaps we're aiming towards an ending for Esme's character that might be quite traumatic for Alfred Penny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, or even it's just a choice mm-hmm. that he has to make rather than it ending up with Esme sort of, yeah, effectively being killed, probably by Betty Sykes. Certainly Betty Sykes, I think, has some interest in Esme. Yes. I think the dance element... Um, the idea that she didn't kind of use um, physical violence on her mm-hmm. um, suggests there's something there between these two, I think. Oh, I think so. I think Beth has a lot of attraction to her. I think up until that moment where she realizes that posh London girl doesn't like northern working class girl, probably because she kidnapped her. <laughs> you know, I think that moment is, is where we, where we realize that they may not have a relationship there. So we'll see what happens with Beth. But I think there was some form of attraction between the two. Well, but at least on Beth's side, uh, I don't think Esme was very interested in the murderous <laughs> uh, attraction from Beth's like. So we'll see in the future, though. And um, we were going to do a little English to English translation. Um, I was going to call it Cockney to English translation, but there's so much more that came from Beth Sykes. Again, let us know if there's things that you don't understand in the episodes and you want to hear them uh, described by us and explained by us. But just one interesting one that I thought uh, stood out to me because um, it's used by Alfred Pennyworth in the TV show Gotham. A couple of phrases that were used by Sean Pertwee in in Gotham got a lot of play because people didn't understand what they were. Over in Gotham, the first time uh, Alfred Pennyworth meets Lucius Fox, he tells him that if he can't trust him, he'll tuck him up like a kipper. Um, He tells this story about somebody that he tucked up like a kipper. Alfred uses exactly the same phrase when he's talking to... um, Lord Harwood, he says to him, I strongly suspect you're going to tuck us up. Now, that just means that he's going to kill him. Uh, it's kind yeah. of it's reasonably obvious by the intention of, of how he says the words, but I just thought it was quite a nice touch that they used this term that's so well known from Sean Pertwee's Alfred uh, in the first episode of the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have a great uh, little opening scene with, with Bette Sykes. She says, not so chuffy now to Lord Longbrass. And mm-hmm. of course, that means chuffy is coming from I'm chuffed, 
which means I feel important. I've got self confidence. Yes. I, you know, he he really speaks down to her from atop the horse, mm-hmm. uh, and then he gets pulled off and he gets brought down <laughs> to below her level. Yeah. So you're not so chuffy now uh, is to do with effectively uh, coming off your perch, really exactly. being knocked off uh, a, a, your perch. Um, I think as well, we have the Cuppa and Bicky that we've talked about mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think the other one is willy-nilly as well. You're, <laughs> you're too important to be topped uh, willy-nilly. Willy-nilly is kind of like um, a random thing. It's yeah. just willy-nilly. Um, it's without proper cause to the effect. It just happens. Yeah. Um, so it's you're too important for this to have happened to you randomly, exactly. ultimately. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so really interested to hear these. And again, sometimes these are these are phrases that are coming out and you'll get the intention absolutely. But if you ever want to know what they actually mean, we'll put it into this corner of the Pennyworth podcast in future. Uh, that's overall, I think, all of our notes and all of our moments from the episode. Uh, John, how would you rate this first episode of Pennyworth as a pilot for the new season? I think for me, I give this um, 3.5 discrete panaches out of 5. Um, I, You know, I, I think a pilot has a lot to do. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's as much about convincing the executives at the studio as much as any audience. And so it has a really difficult uh, balance to, to, to make, really. For me, I really thought this was a solid start. Bet Sykes, played by Paloma Faith, was absolutely the standout. But I love the interaction between Alfred and his army mates. I like the nebulous intrigue of the Raven Society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's teeing up a lot of things here that will need to come out. It's certainly more serious than Gotham. Um, it's certainly got um, more fruity language and, and more some fruity scenes as well um, that will will play out. So I, I thought this gave a good uh, basis. Um, I think the importance of developing Alfred Pennyworth and Thomas Wayne's relationship is paramount to this mm-hmm. uh, and to the success of this series. And I think we only really just got the touch point of these exactly. two here. Yeah. And I think that's why um, maybe there could have been a little bit more um, just to to really develop that relationship or, or at least the start of that relationship. And um, so I'm interested to see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, I think that's why I give it a three, three and a half discrete panaches out of five. Yeah. I've gone back and forth a few times. I've watched this episode three times now just for the review. We've had it a few weeks uh, before we record in the podcast. And I kind of forgot how weekly TV shows work because we've done so many of these streaming shows that all, 20 episodes or all 10 episodes are available in one day and they don't have they have to deal with ad breaks sometimes um on these shows they have to deal with the fact that they want you to come back next week but when you're looking at a pilot like this where the episode ended with the bad guys that were identified at the beginning of the episode both of them going off to prison going we'll be back soon um and then trying to set up the idea that this could possibly become a tv series and next week we're going to have episode two it feels like this was made not knowing whether they were going to get even two episodes, because we have an hour and 15 minutes here. That's, that's what, 35, 40 minutes yeah. longer than a normal TV show. Whereas the know? streaming services get their full eight episodes, or yeah. 10, or 13 episodes, all commissioned at once, mm-hmm. to 
be slotted in on one day for binge con- consumption. So, exactly. you know, this this is kind of old school pilot uh, episoding yeah. here. And I, I'm so I, glad to be back to it. I'm so sick of binging. I'm really am. I'm sick of having these shows that I'm supposed to watch everything in one day because three or four of them are being released at a time now. I'm really happy to be going back to one episode a week looking at Pennyworth and I'm really enjoying it. I think the cast are really good, um, particularly calling out uh, Paloma Faith playing, playing Beth Sykes and um, Ben Alder who's playing Thomas Wayne and Jack Bannon who's playing um, obviously Alfred Pennyworth the title role they're all quite quite big roles uh, Beth Sykes I think has carved out her own role but Thomas Wayne and Alfred Pennyworth being major roles of the show these two guys are, have come in and really taken them on board really like Baz and really like, uh, like Davy Boy as well so hopefully we'll see a big rounded out of this crew a nice, a nice big cast like we got on Gotham uh, because you could be mistaken for thinking this is going to be just a show about just Alfred Pennyworth uh, and it feels like hopefully they'll do what they did on Gotham and, and broaden it out a bit Absolutely. So, with that, on to our feedback section. Well, our town crier has rang in that the Royal Mail has arrived for (laughs) Pennyworth. First off, we have some feedback through on email from Teresa. Teresa says, It's wonderful to be able to chat about Pennyworth. I look forward to your premiere podcast for the show. I know there must be so much that I didn't catch in this first episode about Alfred that might be in the comic books. All I know is that he was MI6. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I will learn a lot for you and the fans in the group. So far, the show has a little bit of a bond feel without the womanizing. I like the war flashbacks Alfred is experiencing, along with his explanation about how he doesn't like to kill and how being in the army was just a job. It isn't who he is. He worked for the Queen. Yes. Alfie is most likely a common nickname for Alfred, but I wonder if it's also a nod to Michael Caine's character Alfie in the 1966 movie. Michael Caine was a chauffeur in the film, then later played Alfred in the Nolan Batman movies. Really good catch there, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd absolutely say it's, it's, <laughs> absolutely. it's in relation to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say a lot of people that I know that were called Alfred would have been called Alfie as well, yeah. yeah. Teresa goes on and says, I like the setup for this future work with the Wayne family. I wondered why Thomas Wayne didn't mention that he was a doctor, or maybe in this version he isn't a doctor. I'm sure we'll find out. The scene in the park when Esme gives Alfred a sample of her acting skills, haha, one of my favourite scenes. <laughs> Esme and Alfred's parents can fight. Wow, the fight scenes were done so well, there wasn't any obvious choreography to take you out of the moment that I could tell, which was absolutely great. I also like the way the writers brought a touch of modern to the show, like Gotham did. When Alfred opens the door to the club, you hear someone singing an Amy Winehouse song. You see the singer when you go into the club. Mm -hmm. There was a band playing a song that was so familiar, I can't quite place it. I know when I hear the title, I'll be like, yes, that's it. (laughs) All in all, I thought the pilot was terrific. Acting, directing, writing, beautiful photography, and all of the setup leading to who Alfred will become in the future, from doorman to security to MI6, and all in between. Have a terrific week, Teresa. Yet, thank you so much, Teresa, for that. Absolutely. I think this is where the spy element for me uh, really comes in between Thomas and um, and Alfred. And that link to Bond, you think of uh, Felix.
Felix and and James Bond, uh, the American security services. Felix Slater, yeah, yeah, and uh, James Bond. Yeah. So I wonder if this is going to be kind of a similar relationship. He's yeah. gone from special services and army has that weapons training and he moves into this espionage and security element at working with Thomas Wayne. So mm. like this kind of a, an earlier version of, of, of Bond. So I, I really like that. And yeah. I think, um, I think one of the best things about it though, Teresa, is that I think we're really going to get some original, ideas as to that whole early year alfred uh, and what he's going to do and that's what i'm excited for from from this show i really like the point that you made earlier on john that potentially this butler alfred could possibly be his cover to go around the world with thomas wayne on these adventures you know um also, potentially, Thomas Wayne could say he's a doctor going on missions around the world as well. So we could actually get the doctor side. At the moment, this forensic analyst is what we're hearing he is. Um, but in the comic books, he's always just been a doctor. Potentially, it's doctor and um, and butler are both their covers that they use going around the world. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, though, Teresa, there isn't much story at all about the past of Alfred Pennyworth that hasn't really been explored much in the comic books. We know he was involved in acting in some way, which is where we get as Esme as a character. So we think that, we, that he may have learned some of his acting from her, uh, the skills that he talked about in Gotham, actually, a little bit. But what we do know is that Bruno Heller sat down with Sean Pertwee and with Danny Cannon and put together a Bible of all the things they knew. And a lot of them came from... Michael Caine's version of the character from the movies. Uh, two stories from uh, from the comic books. One, I think, is Batman Year One, uh, where we hear a little bit of Pennyworth when he was a young man working in the MI6. But uh, most of this stuff is all put together from just little snap of, of stuff here and there. So it's not going to be a massive amount taken for the comics. I think there's a nice freedom in that for the showrunners to write this show about Alfred, uh, knowing just a little touches of his past. So uh, if we do see anything, if they bring in any characters that we, um, that we know from the comic books or, or even people that are ancient versions of the characters kind of like they did on Gotham we'll try and call it out as best we can but thank you so much for sending that in um, interestingly Epics HD the channel that broadcasts Pennyworth was putting that first episode out a week before for the last week before it's aired on the 28th of July they were putting it out available for people that signed up uh, for the first time so a lot of people actually seen this episode they won't be watching it live when it airs on the 28th of July but the reason why we're putting our podcast out on the 28th is because well there's going to be another week anyway to wait until the next episode so you might as well have something to listen to if you didn't need to watch the episode <laughs> a second time on the 28th of July. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of the Penny, Pennyworth podcast for the pilot episode. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com or you can search for the Pennyworth podcast. It has its own feed just for the Pennyworth podcast. You can get that over on Spotify, on iTunes or on any straight laced or groovy podcast player out there. Uh, thank you so much. We will talk to you very soon. So yes, we will be back with Pennyworth episode two, The Landlord's Daughter. Yes, uh, in a week's time. Yes, every Monday from now on, we're going to be doing an episode of Pennyworth. Really looking forward to that. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye. As always, fellow governors, thank you so much for joining us. I fear dark times ahead. Loyalty will be tested. Mm. But remember, don't shoot any grannies. (laughs) And once we're granny death free, uh, we'll be back to speak with you again soon. Bye. Bye.